let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. Welcome back to Side Quest with your Paladins of Podcast. Rob, Eli, Tucker, and Lauren. Today, we're going to talk about, I guess, the rise and fall of Evil Genius Games. A very damning article was released by N-World, uh, the RPG News and Reviews website. And damning, it definitely is for CEO Dave Scott and really the state of Evil Genius Games. Now, Tucker, you gave us a great quick rundown. It was three sentences long about what the article is. Can you please tell us once again? Yeah, so so basically what this article is, it's by Morris on EN World. Morris is one of the main people in EN World. Uh, it is just a short history. Um, it's evil, evil genius games has lost 80% of its workforce over the last two months, three months. The article lays out a lot of allegations about why people left, including uh, tech, some management issues, and some uh, personal, call them HR offenses, on the part of the CEO, uh, and lays out a large number of sources, all of whom are anonymous, supporting those, those allegations. And that's basically it. The whole article is, it's a lot of them. But that's more or less the the article, and it I believe it ends with a uh, a timeline. Yeah, it basically has a summary of like the entire history of Evil Genius Games, uh, which they're they're the people that make uh, Everyday Heroes mm-hmm. and that E twenty Modern uh, spinoff. Yep. Now, Everyday Heroes, Eli, you and I actually reviewed, and we've reviewed some of their cinematic source books, and we agreed when we did the review that Everyday Heroes was. A really decent game. We felt like parts of it had actually done Dungeons and Dragons 5e better than D&D did 5e. Um, So the game is built. It has a fan base. But this article talks about a lot of issues that affect the industry, both on the professional side and how people in the player side would perceive such things um, is really a huge question. Tucker. So I've been um, I've been monitoring reaction on EN World, on Reddit, and on a couple of other social media sites. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some interesting things uh, come up. There there have been there have been a number of former employees who have come out and said, yes, this is accurate. There have been a number of current employees who have come out and said, uh, no, this is not accurate. Um, there have been a lot of gamers who um, most of the places I've been looking, people, this is meeting with a pretty good reception. Um, and then one one thing I've definitely noticed is there are a lot of people, if I had to pick a mood for the people who are involved with the game Everyday Heroes, um, the summary would be, um, boy, it's really a shame this is happening because this is a good game, but I guess I'm going to do something else now. Yeah. 
It, no. uh, like part of the article see, is is really just about the business and how it's gone to, mm -hmm. and some of the business decisions have like. I mean, in retrospect, like the, the the technology they disagree with was it uh, the CEO very involved with NFTs and and kind of like the blockchain Web technology, three? yeah, Web three, um, which like that's a whole can of worms and, uh, and like NFTs and all that jazz was pretty decisive or uh, divisive. So, um, I think I think that kind of makes the rest of the allegations like seem a little bit more valid. Just because you could, the, there, there is a kernel like the the history is like fairly laid out of their company. Go ahead, Lauren. I feel like they're also like some of like the things of the timeline that's gone through in the article. Um, I think it's part of the structure of how it's written, which also lends a bit of credence to the claims because it does give that breadcrumb trail of like. Also, it talks about the issues like with Netflix and. Um, rebel noon right i think yep. that's what uh what it's called um and it's like it's not that it's one one thing in isolate that's an, an issue right it's like showing that there are issues that have compounded on each other over time for a variety of reasons and that it seems like it's more of like a tipping point recently rather than you know one one issue okay so it's worth mentioning um and and I and, and I'll emphasize as I say this that to me, the the allegations ring true. But it's worth mentioning that uh, what Lauren just said is one of the major points of contention between uh, the CEO and everyone else. In other words, the CEO has come out and said the reason everybody is leaving is because of the technology. But um, every the 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 other sources, which again unnamed. Uh, that Morris uh, spoke to indicated that it was it was as Lauren says a combination of a whole lot of things. So even that um, that that's a little bit of the question at stake. In other words, is was it just and and the flip side of that is by the way nobody disagrees that the technology was a major cause for a lot of the people involved. Was it the only yeah. one? That's what's that's really what's at stake. I, I mean, I don't think there's only ever one reason someone mm -hmm. leaves a career, though, right? Like, I mean, especially if, I mean, like, yeah, one person might just choose, but for 80% of a company to be like, ah, oh, you know, I might find something better, right? It's more, it's more like, like, I mean, from also speaking from experience of like having an aspect of a job, like I love 80% of my job, but then like it takes that one big thing sometimes to be finally be enough to disconnect. But it also does make sense for like the CEO to have such a different opinion, right? Because he is the CEO versus like the rest of the workplace community. Now, one of the things that the article points out is that in all of the individuals that they contacted, the technological aspects were not the, the final straw. They were contentious points of issue, but they weren't the, the deciding factor. In fact, I think out of all the people contacted, it was only one individual. Um, they had multiple conversations about it. And to give a little bit of history here, which we haven't talked much about yet, is that it explains Dave Scott came from Amazon Web Services. So he came from the tech industry, and that's explained in the article. Uh, the tech industry has sort of like that frat bro feeling to it, also mentioned. And so he brings those new technologies to a space that is really uh, still operating in a bespoke fashion. 
And when we think about the fact that he had investors just to get the first product out the door before he even really opened everything up, that's generally unheard of in the space. Most people are doing this from the ground up, boots on the floor, in a slow point. Tucker, is that something? I mean, so I've I've worked in a number of startups, uh, mm -hmm. which are fairly tech adjacent. Mm -hmm. um, I worked in a company that was, um, well, it's entire, long story short, it's entire uh, business model was around video, video, uh, video calls, video yeah. conferencing, but with only two people, but video conferencing. And this was in 2016, 2017. So this was years before it, it really began to hit the mainstream. Like Zoom was the hot new business. And right. um. <clears throat> A lot of the culture that is described in this article, uh, this is certainly something you would see in one of those companies. Uh, a, a very, um, a cult of personality fall of a founder almost, who's coming in, giving a lot of speeches about web 3.0 technologies to investors. Now, there, there was an example in the article about how they were, they, like an in-game magic item reward could be turned into an NFT which it, to me is just, I it I was looking at this and I was like, what are you talking about? But that felt like micro purchases to me. I, well, yeah. <laughs> that felt so stupid. Cause like, you're the one that cares about your game. Like who, like, oh yeah, someone want to buy the NFT of my plus one rapier? Like, God, that just sounded so painfully dumb. Eli. Yeah, I, I definitely see the, the cult of personality. And I mean, the, Honestly, what's a little bit sad is I bet if they didn't go, like if they, I bet if they didn't blow all their money, like none of these allegations would come out. Like the the RPG industry is so like tight knit, and it's it's hard to make a break in it. That like I bet if they didn't blow all their money on marketing and blow their uh, their deal with Netflix, like these things would probably be published, and like now, everyone would just slowly go their own ways and then never work with them again. Now, I, I think that that's a little hard to look at because marketing is the most expensive aspect of any business. You have to look at a lot of different things. And these, and Evil Genius Games wasn't just writing adventures. They were writing licensed adventures. So they had to pay for the license, which is not in perpetuality. It is eventually your license will expire unless you pay for perpetuality. And when I talked with Dave Scott last year at Gen Con, he was explaining that the cost there is absolutely substantial and it's not always with the studio. Sometimes you pay the studio a portion of the licensing, right? Sometimes you pay the estate a portion of the licensing, right? And then you owe them part of the marketing expenses because they don't cover you for that. So you have to pay these people two, three times over just for one product. So not even saying that one day they woke up and you have everyday heroes uh cardboard cutouts in every local game store that's already expensive but on top of that you have spent money that nobody even sees and half your budget can be gone tucker yeah i mean but the the thing is what's interesting about this and the article sort of touches on this but i wish i had gone into it in more detail um what they're doing is um it, it's actually a really common strategy among um holding companies right now Mm -hmm. They're they're essentially collecting licenses that they think they can make a buck off of. Um, now they also, in this case, they own the so uh, to 
for lack of a better term, the means of production. And, and as much as they're an RPG design studio, they can make the things out. Whereas a lot of other, um, a lot of other things like Tencent, for example, will just buy franchises and hoard the rights to them, um, and license those out subsequently. But um, the the idea of going in with, um, you know, with a with a, a venture capital backed business plan uh, to snap up licenses and produce games quickly out of them is actually, I mean, that, that's not, um, that, well, it's interesting because it's both something that we're seeing now a lot as, um, as, uh, holding companies move to consolidate, but it's also something that happened a lot in the nineties. You'd have, you'd have, um, companies just buying up licenses to things to push out, you know, bad adaptation, the RPG, um, most of which failed miserably, but many of which were able to turn a buck just based on the name alone. So it's not um, it, what what he's doing wasn't necessarily uh, outrageously unheard of in many ways. It was um, it was something that has a certain amount of precedent both in this industry and out of it, and it, it definitely speaks to a very particular investment mindset, which isn't necessarily aligned with the mindset of your average tabletop RPG studio, which is, is what you said, I think, when you said that a lot of us are still bes bespoke. And and I, I agree on how you're talking about the the industry precedence there. And you see it commonly in music and movies. Uh, film studios will buy the rights from other media and they'll just hoard them until they have to make something in order to retain the rights. And then in music, all money is actually made from publication rights. So, you don't own the song. You can leave the song's ownership with the estate, but I can sell you the rights to use that song in anything like a commercial, and I get a royalty for every commercial. Um, so when we see something, you have to wonder if this is the case. Um, maybe that is potentially why they're hemorrhaging money. But, but when I mean, you they're not they're not creating existing RPG licenses, or, or you just think that they're they're trying to hoard like the what was, what was no. the one that we went universal soldier like yep do you think people are clamoring for the universal soldier rpg <laughs> no no but it's not it's not just the rpg that they are they are approved to write the rpg but they have to have the rights to the property and that can outweigh the cost of the actual product that they're selling therefore it becomes a sinking ship regardless i mean so it, it's and and the the question is, though, ultimately one of it's it's sort of um, the idea you can see is this was sort of a thing GURPS did was you eventually want to get to the place where, OK, did, is anybody here clamoring for and these are some actual examples of Evil Genius Games properties. Is anybody clamoring for Rambo, the RPG? I don't really think so. OK, but what if the same studio also makes Pacific Rim, the RPG. Well, that might be a little bit more interesting to people. Okay, but what if the same studio also makes King Kong, the RPG, and it's compatible with Pacific Rim, so maybe you can have a, a, a thing where, like, King Kong is a kaiju coming out of a portal and he fights uh, the giant Pacific Rim robots, all of which is the names of which escape me right now. But the point is, um, there's, there's sort of a sum greater than the parts uh, critical mass you can get to when you're when you're accumulating licenses like these, and then maybe 
Rambo the RPG yeah. doesn't, nobody cares about role-playing Sylvester Stallone, but it's technically then a supplement for your King Kong Pacific Rim mashup that might, I don't know, have stats you want or something. See, I, I would right. see that if it was like Pacific Rim and King Kong, but they went like, uh, Rambo was pretty cool, but other than that, they went for some pretty, I think Rebel Moon would have been pretty cool because that's a new movie. Um, but that's what I was actually going to ask. Is that, is that, would that be similar line with like what happened with rebel moon? Like why they were buying things up with the expectation that these properties could have become something in the future. Right. Like, is this like more of hedging? I I get that with rebel moon, but like the other licenses were all, I don't know enough about their other licenses. I think they're all pretty older, like like, uh, title names. I think the rebel moon thing, the story is that Netflix approached evil genius games about creating a Rebel Moon-based RPG that tied into the film. And then there was an allegation of breaking confidentiality. They pulled the license or approval for the license, and a lawsuit ensued. Uh, Evil Genius Games was hoping to recover a substantial amount of money, but they settled outside of court, and he did not receive as much as he wanted, um, and no licensing fell through. So all the money that they invested was gone. Like they, they yeah. lost that, but, I, but it was, sounds like it sounds like they got some like their their costs their operational costs back. I don't think they recovered in, in all the, in of the them, suit. but I don't think they covered everything. But there is uh, it it was non disclosed in every source that I was able to look at. Sorry, Lauren, what were you saying? Yep. Um, I just had a follow up question with what you said though, because uh, well, I did read the article. There's a lot of information in it. Was it so specifically much. was yeah. um. <laughs> I read it twice and I'm still like, mm. uh, for the Evil Genius Games, they were the one that owned the licensing for Rebel Moon and Netflix. Like, no, it was Netflix they, that had Rebel Moon and they wanted uh, Evil Genius Games to make this, the, the game. Go ahead, Tucker. This was, this was actually another major point of contention between Evil Genius Games and Netflix. Okay, yeah, because I got, the, I, I got the, it, sense, it, the sense that it was very back and forth. So, so, so the, one of the major points of contention between the two was who originally came up with essentially what was a concept book for the world. Um, Evil Genius Cl- Games claimed that Netflix asked them to make it with input from Zack Snyder. Netflix claimed that all of this had been well established beforehand and that information was given to Evil Genius Games by by Zack Snyder. So um, ultimately, it's it's another point of ambiguity, which considering the lawsuit is settled, settled may never actually we may never actually know the truth at this point. Well, well, I think the the thing that um, like I think the thing that really hit home for me that was that. Evil Genius Games was founded the very beginning of February 2022. And the next year they 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 signed a deal with Netflix. But the Rebel Moon franchises had already finished filming in 22. Yes. Like yes, they so were hoping like to the, release. the movies had already been filmed before these guys before Evil Genius Games even had like a license to work on it. I believe they were trying to simultaneously uh, push something or close to release date. Have an RPG out shortly after the Netflix uh, material came out, so they could release in tandem. Uh, which, in general, when you're having two different studios produce two different types of media, can oftentimes create better revenue for both. Lauren, I think I think Eli, correct me if I'm wrong, but you mean you meant that like 
the point of contention being that they were providing the lore for the show when it was already filmed is where it's a weird point yeah. for like yeah okay that's yeah. what my understanding was too is that they're saying oh no we gave this word bible i think is what they referred to it as to them when the show had already finished filming so like i understand that they like they want the release to be near in time like as two studios with the release of the movies mm -hmm. and the idea is that the movies were filmed in 2022 there was theoretically reaching out to evil genius games to write the rpg while the the, the filming is done but there's so much to be done after filming right in, in production and post-production that they'd be released simultaneously but the point of contention becomes like did evil genius games actually give that information to the show in a way that was meaningful after it was done filming and like that's where it's really unclear with i think their lawsuit but they, like you guys said they did settle so it's you know, probably not ever going to be super obvious probably not and uh, luckily rebel moon is such a great movie too that <laughs> critically acclaimed it's washing all it's, it's taking all the awards i heard it was critically panned yeah that was I, thought it was I thought it was canceled I it's have like no 22 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, oh that's that's horrible. Now, now, I think it's part one, though. I don't know about we, part two. We we have talked a lot about uh, the technical aspect, the business aspect, but okay. the big yeah. elephant in the room is the allegations of personnel leadership, yeah, management style, and I I want to say that as as bad as the N-World article is damning, um, there are two camps to this. There are people who said it happened, and there are people who have stayed with the company and said, I, I'm i not sure if it happened. I don't think it happened. I didn't see it happen. Um, there is a lot of call-outs for inappropriate sexism, uh, dead naming, a little bit of non-adherence to uh, individuals' binary status and gender. And it's a lot. <laughs> like, it's not the kind of thing that yeah. we want to see in the space. Uh, Tucker, your your face is saying, shit, this is a lot to unpack, too. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I have something in my eye. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so we have both of these these camps, the people who have stayed and said, you know, when it came to if we accidentally misgendered, we try to recorrect. We try to be as respectful as possible. That's appropriate. Um, but to have allegations that leadership management would get angry, that a direct quote was once uh, Mr. Scott had accidentally used the wrong uh, pronoun, I believe it was. Somebody corrected him and he snapped saying, don't correct me. I mean, that is that paints a picture of just kind of a jerk and i have at least a, a slight working relationship with mr scott and i mean like it, it doesn't seem like what i met or the individual that i know but it, it damn <laughs> yes lauren uh one thing about that section of the article that also stood out to me is like part of it i guess there's a few different things one is like um there's a lot to unpack as part of like I guess like a subculture of being like mm -hmm. startup culture and like there being like I guess like mindsets of productivity over like interpersonal stuff but um the other thing that I was originally going to say was that I believe that section of that article was specifically only sent by one anonymous source it wasn't a mixture of people giving those comments which I feel 
which is like from like a journalism writing standpoint of like putting a lot of weight onto what they say. I'm not saying that it's not good to do so, but it um, it said each of the following statements was sent to me by an ex staff member. So it's only one person with an anonymous quote listing all um, of these things. Is no. that correct? Okay, no. that's what I wanted to double check on. Uh, there are at least three different individuals who made public okay. posts on their Facebook page. Uh, oh, Mike outside Brennan, of this article, there are other sources yep. too. Okay, uh, that's Hensley what I was unfamiliar with. And Faith Lily, I believe I pronounced those oh, names okay. correctly, uh, mm -hmm. all mentioned that there were issues, and I like how you said interpersonal because it's interpersonal communications that really fell apart here. Um, yeah. It was the inability to essentially, I not to be a dick. Respect? Yeah, uh, it, it yeah. came down, it came under respect. And Eli, when you first sent me this article and I asked you, like, why? You said nobody should treat another individual this way, and nobody should treat another person this way. And I agree. I I agree. And yeah. I, it's bad enough where even though we're reporting this as a reaction and a news source, I don't even want to read all of the stuff <laughs> that he had he had done. Um, but that's pretty heavy. Them, it, it is one of them that's just going to light is Dave has a history of asking employees for feedback on his ideas in group meetings. Then when anyone provides feedback, he belittles them for doing so, telling them that their ideas are awful. I mean, this yeah, it's, it's hard to talk about this because like all these are allegations and all of them suck. It's not like there's no way to spin any of these like they're. It paints a pretty grim right. picture. It paints a very it, grim picture. Yeah, it does. It, it's also one one of the ones that really struck me is um, one of the things that got said was uh, that this that the, that Dave Scott is a fan of sexist tropes and they had to constantly edit the work to keep that stuff out. And it said yeah. one only needs to see the manipulator class in uh, Everyday Heroes to identify this so um i don't know if you all have seen this i'm gonna i'm gonna see if it this oh, is yeah, yeah. no that's not gonna work that's not gonna yeah. work um it the the picture of the manipulator class from everyday heroes shows a um a woman in heavy lolita dress sexy lolita dress licking a lollipop and holding a marionette in her hand it is wow it is um yeah it is uh it is something <laughs> it is something and gaslighter class it's yeah it's it's just you know, it, 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 that's something I think that, that when you look at stuff like that, um, and and the write up of the class is, um, oh yeah, that was funny. Yeah, it is. Are you looking for the yeah the, the yeah I have it here. People, people are charming, useful, and mostly harmless. That's exactly what you want people to think. In reality, you have everyone dancing on your strings to whatever tune you want to play for them. Like it's not combined with that picture. It's not like a. It's not a great look. Literally. Now, <laughs> now my biggest complaint is I just don't like the art style. Otherwise, I could really care less about the image. Like I don't find that irritating 
it doesn't grate on my nerves. Um, what I I also don't think it fits the rest of the book though. So, I mean, I I've got different complaints than than the rest of the world. It's and, definitely like an icing on the cake sort of thing where we've got all these allegations, and you see this, and you're like, oh. Yeah, was, that doesn't paint a good light. But was it a problem before everything else? I mean, I think it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, why is this in the game? All right, okay, like, all right. Moving question. on. Like, it, it is a good question on why it was in there originally. Um, well, I, but I think I think a lot of games have stuff like that where there's, like, one thing in it and you're like, maybe yeah. maybe they shouldn't be in here. I mean, every every game has something for somebody, and every game has something that somebody doesn't like. Um, I I take most things with a grain of salt. I don't look at something and think, "Oh shit, that's horrible," unless it's really bad. And to to lament my point here in 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 a, in a horrible way, I think everybody agrees that the most horrible RPG in the world is Fatal. Yeah. Where I don't think we need to get into that. I think uh, there's some. I mean, there's uh. There's contention. There's uh, what is it called? Something race war. There's some yeah. pretty bad ones out there. Oh, yeah. there is, and I I don't have a problem with any of them. I'm like, oh, those are a little off colored and dark. They're not for me. But I don't yuck someone's yum if they want to jump on them. It's just not my bag, so I don't put it on my shelf. Um, of course, again, everybody knows I play very hard to be perfectly straight and neutral. So I don't I don't like to take one side or the other. Um. But Eli, you're, I think you're right. Icing on the cake when you put every piece of together with every bit of evidence. And then the fact that employees from other industries who had worked with Dave Scott had said similar things. So we have a pattern of behavior. And that is hard to prove. And he said, she said arguments but it's hard to disprove and in public in the court of public opinion, which will tank a, uh, a TTRPG hobby as space, a company without it's, it's question. Not really. He said, she said, is it, it's Rem these, all these, we've got all these people that have left the company that have said, th said things. And then we've got, like, and like we've got all this different, these different accounts. And then we have the CEO unfortunately unless he admits that he did it's only he said she said yeah and yeah but there is some validity of if, if 20 30 people say he said and it's nearly like i mean it, it you know then it, then it does add some credence to the the mass of people saying it Absolutely. it does sound like they have ndas and so it does sound like legally like some of these questionable things might not be acted upon but you know, yes. in, in the court of public opinion. Yes, and and that's really where we're standing right now, and that's why this article is so damning, because, Eli, for example, when you first sent this to me, you're like, Rob, we should really just sort of cut ties. And I, my, my first thought was, shit, maybe. <laughs> and this is a guy that, that I, I enjoy talking to. It's, it's somebody that I looked up to and respected. And I'm like, damn, this article is swaying my opinion, my really? positive opinion about I mean, somebody. Well, that's the thing, but you're a dude. Like you're you're a dude talking to a dude, 
And so he, you're not going to like, he's not going to say all these things about women, or maybe he is saying all these things about women. Um, and then you probably would have known, but right, right. Like, now, he's probably that, acting on better behavior when he's interacting with just you. I, I, I don't know. I don't know him in the other settings, but I know that when we talk about, not we, excuse me, I know when we hear things like how he prefers to hire females because they're easier to train, that sounds horrible. But yeah. it, it, it also yeah. contradicts what what else we've heard, that he can't hire a female for a convention because she's female. I mean, like, we either like to hire females true, or we man. don't. They could. They could. But placing them paragraphs apart does make it feel a little like uh, either he's wishy-washy and bipolar having manic episodes or he doesn't know what he's going for. I mean, and, sexists are not always known for their consistent critical thinking uh, when it true. comes to sexism. I mean, like, like it also, it, it a lot of times, it, I mean, like, I don't want to come off this way, but I am... Um, a woman in the tabletop gaming situation and have run games and run conventions and you know and like especially when I was new to it I lacked a lot of confidence partly because of that because of the inconsistency of how I was treated by people and mm -hmm. I don't I'm not saying like 98% of the people I interacted with were purposely sexist or anything like that right it's like I think some of it's just subculture right like and I'm not trying to be damning in that at all genuinely um but like I would like I'm a pretty good DM and I've had people go, oh, you did a good job for a woman. And I'm like, I'm running a convention Ooh. for 6000 people with my other peers. Right. And it's like and they come up to me to say that out of the other 80 people in the room that I'm with. Right. And so it's like I, I can't like it, again, it's, it's one of the situations where it is really hard to like in isolate you know, air quote, damn someone for what they're saying or what they're purported to have said, but also the audience in which they speak to, if it's a formal statement, they're much less likely to say things, you know, like, especially if someone who's like worked with Amazon and other big companies, he has to probably be pretty, if he is a sexist and has all these other problematic things in his nature, you have to be good at hiding them to be successful, right? Like you can't overtly say things that are so against a subculture especially like in uh tabletop rpgs like happened with D, D itself right when problematic people started coming forward people started avoiding D, D as a property as whole even without other issues so it's like it's kind of one of those things where it's hard to tell you know is is based on what he's saying is it based on his audience at the time like i don't know to me it's a little hairy <laughs> Uh, so I'm I actually I, I I what I want to push back on in that um, is to me it is not unthinkable at all to switch like that. I used to work sales. I've done a lot of sales work. When you're well, that's what I meant. I, that's what I meant that he the good at switching. No, I'm agreeing with that stamp. Just yeah. To clarify okay. Well, then 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 let me double down and agree with you. I mean, to yeah. me, this guy what everything and I'm looking at the language he's using. You know, in his direct quotes, because his article features a lot of direct quotes from him. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a this is a trained business communicator, and that is a switch you can flip on and off. I do it every single day when I walk into my job. I am not, you know, I am suddenly, you know, I am synergizing our paradigms all day long, right? 
like it's something it's it's funny but it's something that you could turn on and off and yeah unfortunately i've been in workplaces where you know you're on the phone you're the most polite formal business person thing in the world and then you hang up and you just hear people who are just the same as you polite formal you hang they hang up and they're joking about the most sexist things you've ever heard in your life um yep. part of why i left that workplace but um yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty pervasive in the tabletop uh, industry as well. And like mm -hmm. Lauren, like you're amazing for actually running at conventions because I, I think there's a real strong reason for why most of the the female, non-binary, or even marginalized communities, like any, anyone that I know that plays in those games, usually plays only in their group where they're with their friends, mm -hmm. like in their safe spaces, because. God, nerds are awful. Like, I, there's a lot of this sexism, especially in the old designers too, like the or the yes. the, the people who've been in the industry for a long time. Now, what I mean, I'm I'm going to give a little bit of a little bit of background from some personal experience. I worked in a lot of old like Old Testament style skilled trades. Like I worked with people who uh, haven't changed how things are done since the 1700s. Like a blacksmith still machines the blacksmith way. He still uh, hammers out on the anvil. So when you when you make a fuck up, right? They let you know in every every possible horrible way, and they don't let you forget it ever. They are genderist, sexist. They, in fact, they don't care if they're going to offend you. It is their intention to offend you, and they have been that way for hundreds of years, and they have no intention of changing. And Where are you going with this, Rob? I'm glad you asked. So wherever Dave Scott comes from and he brings with him any of those mentalities, that's acceptable. That's acceptable. And that's why he brings it with it with him. And what's happened is it's not acceptable in our space in the TTRPG community. And only recently has the TTRPG community even began to open up to uh, the marginalized groups. Just recently, we have started to have the idea of more of a safe space, inclusive space for all individuals. Because when we all got into this, whether it was 20 plus years ago, it wasn't like that. We didn't want to play with women. We were the marginalized. We didn't want to play with jocks because they made fun of us. We didn't want to do things outside of our cliques and groups of people because... <laughs> yes, Lauren? I don't want to derail, but I'm I'm lacking a little bit of maybe perspective um mm -hmm. in what you're saying but to me it sounds like you're underlining the issue rather than defending the perspective like I, I, i'm not saying that's your intent but just from my perspective with it being that like that's the same thing of like well no i don't want to make that that's, that sounds, sounds political and that's not my intent i'll think of a different example i'm not trying to be political but just um just like where there's like the because things were bad in the past that justifies a bad action in the future right like and that's that retrospective view where like i study anthropology all of that type of stuff where you don't want to judge someone based on their cultural upbringing because that's their life experience and to an extent i completely agree with that right like you can't change someone's past but that person also has to be willing to change to not hurt other people and that is where there's a hard divide in like this man's be apparent behavior now and see that's where i might would i where i might disagree he's not intentionally harming it's not his in if no let me, change, let me let me rephrase that 
he's yeah. not it's it's not his intention to harm but he is weapon he has weaponized ignorance that's that's still intent to harm if someone's it, abusive and you tell them that they're abusive and they go whoopsie sorry i was traumatized as a child and then continue to be abusive that's completely unacceptable that yes it, it absolutely is and weaponizing ignorance is not always along the same path what i'm saying is that when when dave brings all this with him everybody hey, either ignorance points, isn't an excuse man that's not what i'm saying eli I'm saying that when he brings it with him, whether people tell him to change or not, ultimately, as Lauren stated, he has to want to change. Not changing, not wanting to change is where it can become intentional. I can agree with that. But from an industry, an history of industry, where all of this is normal. That doesn't make it okay. I don't. I didn't say it was, was okay. I, I, I didn't say it was okay. I'm just saying where this is normal. I don't find it as offensive as the next individual. Right. Because, because I, I got offensive. treated like this. I got treated like this. I understand it. And it was never in a sense where it was always a, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Just because Maybe, you were treated like that doesn't make it okay either. I'm not saying it's okay, Eli. I'm saying I understand it. it. Better. I'm not saying it's better. But I'm then, saying okay, that, but genuinely, genuinely, what what do you find not to be reprehensible in this type of action? Not just specifically David Scott, but just as an industry, as a possibly sexist, possibly misogynistic, possibly all these, you know, things, I, all of these bad adjectives. How is any of that behavior, even based on past perception, not reprehensible? I'm not saying it's not reprehensible. Okay. I'm saying that in the space he's in, he is absolutely tone deaf, doesn't understand yeah. the industry, brought it from somewhere, refused to adapt, refused to change, refused to make a switch. And we as a culture in the space of TTRPGs have only recently started to do so. I mean, yeah. 20 plus years ago, this would have been fine. That doesn't the, this 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 would have been fine twenty years ago. Like people wouldn't have thrown the same up in arms that they are today. I I agree with that, but what? How does that change the fact that it's not twenty it's, years ago and he's still? That's doing that's these where I'm. That's where that's where I'm trying to get. Is that okay. without him changing? Because this doesn't show somebody who's possibly sexist. It shows somebody who's also possibly tone deaf. It shows somebody who wants to not adapt, to not grow, to not be in the space. Potato, potato. That, that is all of those things, though. If, if like, again, if someone says, like, someone changes their pronouns and you can't respect that, it's a, di it's different. Like, like, like from personal experience, I have older relatives. They do mm -hmm. not understand non-binary. They do not understand if someone changes their pronouns. For the majority of people that I associate with voluntarily they at least make an attempt, right? Yeah. And there is a genuine, like, I'm sorry, I'm not used to this, I'm trying. If they misgender, it's out of a, like, an attempt to change. That, to me, is what ignorance is, and there's a willingness to change. Ignorance and with it, without a willingness to change, is not okay, right? Like, if you're willing to learn, if you're willing to admit to your mistakes and try to change with the times, patience, 
is, you know, like give them patience, give these people support because they're trying to change and trying to learn and grow. And that is hard, especially when you're older, right? Like in anything, if you could, if you could admit even the possibility of being wrong or the possibility that things are different than with what you're comfortable with, you deserve grace. If you can't admit that things are different from what you grew up with and then continue to hurt people personally, for me as a person, there is no space for you in any environment that I associate with voluntarily at all. Because then at that point, whether it's ignorant, what you call ignorance, um, or just a lack of understanding, as long as you continue to hurt other people in a capacity that is within your ability to change or at least try to change, that's not okay. That's very well said, Lauren. Agreed. Agreed. Tucker, you doing okay? I mean, to a certain extent, to me, uh, I, I, I don't actually really care what somebody's intent is. Um, I don't I don't really care about the circumstances in which uh, Dave Scott came into the RPG world, because the simple fact of the matter is, um, you know what? I got started in RPGs when I was maybe 11. When I was about 13 or 14, I ran for a group, all of which were girls. And you know what? We didn't have sexist shit. Like, just because somebody's from a particular area, era doesn't mean they have to be like that. So I'm not going to excuse the people who are. And the actual the fact is that he's doing actual things that harm actual people. And that's what I'm more interested in than a discussion of whether or not this would have been okay 20 years ago. Because I don't care whether it was okay 20 years ago. It's not okay now. And to compound that injury by saying, well, you know, he's just the equivalent of old racist grandpa who won't change, just just reduces the actual harm to the people who were affected by him by saying, oh, well, you know, it's kind of okay because he's from a different time. Number one, number two, this guy, you, you told me, you told me before with this call, this guy's less than 40 years old. I mean, maybe not, he's in his early forties. Like maybe he's not, not 80. Exactly sure. No, he's not 80. Like th this is not, this is not somebody who, I mean, for, for, for God's sake, I'm 33. I'm, I'm so he has maybe a decade on me. You know, so, so, so I'm not, I mean, how long are we going to drag that out for? At what, at what point are we going to stop saying about people? Oh, well, he grew up in a different time. Like, are, are we going to say that about 30 year olds? Are we going to say that about 20 year olds? Are we going to say that about people who, who, who grew up in the 2010s? I, it's just, oh, I... it's, it's never ending to me. And, 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 and the actual, the, the fact of the matter is at the end of the day, this guy said uh, to a female member of his company, I might need to whore you out to some of the investors. And to pay the, the answer is that would have been doesn't matter pencil. to pay the bill or not. I'm just finishing <laughs> <Yeah>. the quote. <laughs> that, I'm just finishing the quote. The, 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 whatever. The point is, it, it, it doesn't matter if that would have been fair play by the tabletop industry standards or the the tech industry standards 20 years ago it was reprehensible then and it's reprehensible now fair fair eli you got anything else on that i mean i started off by saying i don't think there's a way to defend these allegations and so 
I don't really think there's a way to defend any of what he said. What he said sucked. It's awful. It, it was, and it did suck. Lauren? Um. No, I think basically what I said is mostly what I stand by. Again, like you all, like we have all discussed, to some extent there is a he said, she said aspect to this, but I would say that a lot of it adds up to be enough to be very wary of this individual and their behaviors, but yeah. And I, uh, damn it for sure. Yeah. I, I think yeah. if there were indications of this man changing as well, they probably would have made that approach to all the people that left. Um, and the fact that they're coming out with all this, like he's not changing. So they're coming out with these allegations to try to, get him to either change or leave the space. And I I hope he leaves. I I think because of things that were said from former coworkers that allude to the same similar behavior, it's not only been pointed out before, but he's shown that he refuses that he wants to change, as Lauren stated. It it begins to intentionally harm. It, it's weaponizing ignorance. Um, my initial point had been lost long ago, so no, 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 no sense in going back. I, I agree, and it's hard. Like I said, as a, somebody who respected this individual, to hear this and sway my opinion, and coming from an an entire background where shit like this has been normalized, and I can say it's wrong, I would expect and assume somebody else can say, "Shit, this is wrong. I should do something different." Um, the tabletop gaming space needs better. I think we all agree that it needs better than this representation. Whether it was behind closed doors or in public, Tucker's right. It doesn't matter. Apprehensible 20 years ago, apprehensible now. We, we look at this and to a degree, it hurts us individually. It hurts us as a collective. It hurts us as a hobby one person how do we how do we fix that from our side we can't just put a band-aid over dave scott and evil genius games but we can take it and say we're going to do better ourselves we're going to improve but what can we take away from this that's not just guys we don't have to be the same way like what lesson is there to learn from evil genius games hemorrhaging itself tanking itself I, I like from us is the community um, a, commu a community look we all write games we all run games we all can look at this and say we're not going to act like this but i mean i think i think the biggest thing is not putting up with this behavior um like as a as a whole as a society we should all not put up with this behavior in every space and so it's all I, I, I mean, it's hard for us because like we're outside e mm -hmm. egg so like we can't really like we're not really watching like their like their meetings. We can't call it out, but I, I think it's very important to, you know, at conventions, you know, keep a heads out, heads out, keep an eye open for it and be aware. Um, that's... I would also say maybe from a consumerist standpoint of sometimes 
putting your money where your mouth is, right? As yeah. like like when people cancel their D&D Beyond subscriptions, what you know, like and I know that's a whole separate can of worms, but that did make an impact, right, with the open gaming license and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of a different situation with this company already hemorrhaging money, right? Like not buying a book uh, yeah. from an older property probably won't make necessarily a big difference, but just as a, you know, hey, right now. Yeah. But just, just in a general sense of like when sketchy businesses practices come up, not being afraid to start a discussion on it, either in a public forum or in a private one, but also, um, you know, because that then reinforces socially, you know, what is it? what isn't is not acceptable and slowly the subculture will change to become better over time but also just choosing what gaming groups gaming systems you decide to support right because that will also like because capitalism is what it is right there's always going to be the startups the, the all that you know like we need money we need investors type of thing so proving that ethical companies make money too and can be inclusive and supportive over time i think will make a really big change it's not it's not the fast it's not the fast get rich quick scheme but if it shows over time that inclusivity pays which sounds sounds cheap but honestly you know can help over time research the companies that you're going like the the rpg companies there's there's some pretty amazing ones and very transparent about like their policies uh and yeah definitely don't buy uh, from Evil Genius Games, and uh, you know, don't publish adventures for them either. But there's, there's definitely a. I mean, th- there's also and this is something. I mean, we we haven't even really touched on some of the other mm-hmm. stuff about the actual tech because, as we said earlier, everybody agrees with that, right? But this no. is also a company that's trying to force. I mean, for God's sakes, they're trying to force NFTs into the gaming space, which we all say is ridiculous. But there are some real, there are moral and environmental questions around things like Bitcoin and NFTs and AI. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot at stake here. This, when when Morris put this together, I mean, this isn't just, this isn't just a guy who was sexist. We've had that before in the industry. You know, this isn't just a guy who, who forced a game company to look at Web 3.0. This isn't just a guy who was stiffing all his writers all the time. This guy was, th- th- this company was doing everything, all of that at once, yeah. which is, I mean, that's, that's almost spectacular. You, you lay it out he like cleared that. cleared his like bingo the, card. He's like <laughs> the Donald Trump of the, uh, the gaming community. I mean, horrible, but yeah, you're right. He, he did. He did all of them at, at once and it really, it, it backfired. And at the end of the day, we got to be pervy to inside conversations based on a news article. It was, uh, it, it's hard. Damning. The whole thing is damning. So uh, if there's anything else that we want to try to cover, we can. However, we're pushing just about an hour in. And I mean, like, we've beaten certain things to death. And if we want to take the time to say anything, I think now would be a perfect time. Because it's heavy, it hurts all of us, and um, we can all. I guess I would just like to there. reiterate Tucker's comment about the NFTs and like trying to bring that and like extra monetization into the gaming space mm-hmm. and bring that consumer like that. We should have talked. We should talk about that more as well, um, or at least that needs to be reinforced because 
we don't want our gaming spaces to be more monetized. Like we just want to have fun and play games with each other and slay dragons and go on kind of fun adventures. Right. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure what or how an NFT works. Um, I don't understand the technical jargon behind it. And it sounds like you're just buying a digital asset. So. It, it's um... outside of the scope. <laughs> We have we have three minutes. The answer is it's essentially it's essentially uh, a made up idea that works really really well if you're super into money laundering. Uh, but <laughs> that doesn't tell me anything. That says it's that says it's like similar to socialism and communism. Good on paper, bad in practice. Well, it's it's it's. Uh, let's not go there. It's the the All answer right. is you're saying it doesn't sound like you're buying anything, and the answer is correct. You're not. And if that doesn't make sense to you, congratulations. You have more sense than a lot of people who threw a lot of money at this. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. You're buying a fictional property that's usually digital that is supposed to give you exclusive rights to it when inherently there's not exclusivity to it. But right. If so, you're interested in oh, buying an NFT and want to throw money away at an NFT, on. please reach out. We're willing to make one. If you want to give I, us money, so I, I, I want to make sure, I want to make sure I got this down because I'm super confused. It sounds like if I, for example, it's nothing. It's literally hold, nothing. Hold on, it's nothing. I need to make sure I have this down in terms I understand, Eli. My brain doesn't work the same. If I buy a digital movie from iTunes, um, they say it's mine, but they can pull it from my library at any time. So therefore, it's not actually mine. So I don't own it. So I'm not actually buying anything i'm only claiming ownership while it's actively there see the difference is with the nft you also don't get to watch the movie yeah so I, i'm just i'm buying the idea of the movie at that point <laughs> yes, yes you've got it you've yes, got yes. it that's exactly, exactly. It. you're buying the con you're buying I, the concept. that's horrible why would you want that gonna get so much shit from people who like nfts you guys are digging your own grave no this <laughs> is great we just announced the launch of our nfts <laughs> I'm going to die on the hill with Tucker here. This is stupid. <laughs> it's, it's oh, no, so yeah, no, 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 no. I did not mean that to reflect support at all. I just meant. No, I get it. I, I just, I'm just saying, like, tu I, 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 I think Tucker and I are the NFTs same hill. If you want to buy my NFTs. <laughs> well, let's just call them ideas. If somebody wants to buy my ideas, I will willingly take your money and not NFT give them to you. It's like as a way of saying ideas that sounds cool and important. Conflated it's ideas. Branding. Exactly. Okay. All right. Okay. So, guys, uh, everybody has agreed that Evil Genius Games is recap. Energy. NFTs are stupid. Thank you for listening to the past hour. No. Thank right. you. Thank you. Uh, Evil Genius Games is hemorrhaging. It's hurting the community. We need to be better. Uh, you can find us every week um, online at Epic Table Games or on Facebook at Epic Table Games. Um, check us out. We hope to see you guys next time. See ya. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay.